Welcome back, folks, to Two Bits One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a man of culture and a cross-country traveller, Dan Masters, with my good friend, a man who put on a hell of a wedding, and a man who'll be able to walk around in his own house in just his pants any day now, Will Everett Human. Will, how are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you, Dan. Very well indeed. Um, tired. Can't stop playing with my wedding ring. Yeah, I'm glad you had a good time, mate. It was great. In lieu of a, a question of the week this week, everybody, if you can indulge us slightly, I feel we should discuss Will's wedding, which was on Saturday. How did it go for you, Will? Everything that everyone says about having a wedding was true. You don't get a chance to do anything. Barely finished a drink all night. Felt like I barely spoke to anyone, yet also spoke to everyone. It was a good, it was a good laugh. Nice to, just nice to have everyone there. I think it was relatively pain-free sort of thing. There was no massive drama or anything, no bust-ups between guests or issues with the staff or whatever, so smooth as we could ask for. It was one of the better ones I went to, actually. It was a... The speeches were great, very funny, didn't drag on too long. Your new wife did a speech, which was very good. Your daughter was stole the show. Your your wife was thanking people, and your daughter said, sort of, essentially, and me, which was... (laughs) Which got a big laugh for everybody. (laughs) I was sat on a good table... That was nice. I'm going to uh, shout out Sammy, Jamil, and Yaz, who I spent nearly all the meal talking to, their mum, Sarah, who I believe you. she sat down and said to me, oh, you must be Dan. Will says, I've got to ask you about the Grease story. So thanks for that, Will. That was good. <laughs> just, just trying to grease the wheels of conversations there, Dan. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a good way to break the ice about telling her how I slid down a hill of rocks in just my undies, which was... <laughs> And I guarantee she absolutely loved that story. Yeah, I think the whole table did. I think the whole table got a kick out of it. (laughs) I spoke to Pete as well, who was, shout out to that guy, who was a a real interesting dude. He's a guy who flies gliders, and he lives on an airfield in a caravan, which I fucking love. I fucking love that so much. He He reminded me of Alex Honnold, the guy I talked about from the Free Solo, who sort of just climbs mountains with no ropes or anything. He just reminds me of him. I said, you know, I said, have you heard of Alex Honnold? He's like, oh yeah, the guy lives in the van, and his eyes lit up like, oh my god, a caravan's too much. I should just get a van. <laughs> I've, I've actually got far too much space in this caravan. Yeah, I'm not a king. I don't need, I don't need three rooms. This is ridiculous. To even further shatter the illusion, there, Dad. He's actually him and uh, my, my sister-in-law have now moved into a cabin on the airfield, not a not a caravan, a proper wood cabin with like a nice little bird <laughs> and all that. So he's basically living the five-star life now. I love it. He just kept, he. So we were talking to everybody on the table, and I was obviously just drawn to Sammy, Jamil, and Yaz, who were obviously the three closest people to me, aside from my wife. We kind of hit it off straight away. And during the middle of the night, their dad, Yusef, went and sat at another table, so Pete just came and sat with us for a little bit. And he, at some point, he just came over, I think because somebody had gone to get some donuts or something, so he came sat next to me. He just went, oh, hi, I'm Pete. I was like, oh, hey, Pete, how you doing? He says, yeah, I want to come over and talk to you. And he just said, what's your favourite book? That was like the first thing he asked me. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is good. I like this. So we had a conversation. And then I just said to him, what's your favourite film then? And that was what I did for 10 minutes. What's your favourite What's your favorite food? What's your favourite colour? What do you hate? What's like blah, blah, blah. A really interesting guy. A real interesting guy. Not to, not to turn this into the Peter Carter podcast, but he's fantastic because you can be really like... Not straight, not blunt with him, but it's exactly like that. You can just get straight into a conversation and have quite an interesting conversation with him. Him and my sister-in-law were, um, yeah, they're they're quite uh, eco-conscious and stuff like that. Like they've they've switched to a paleo keto diet and all that sort of stuff. 
but the the thing that I always remember is they were for a time making their own. I assume they probably still are making their own washing detergent. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, which which is cool and power to them. But I had a really interesting conversation with him, and he's the sort of guy that you really can have like a proper debate with. Like you can wholeheartedly disagree with him and have quite a fired up conversation about it, but it's still no hard feelings at the end of the day. He's an interesting guy, very interesting guy. He was amazed that I still had an iPod, which I do because I'm, a, I'm and the reason I do is because I'm a fucking clumsy idiot and I will drop my phone and I thought, well, if I've got my music and all my podcasts on my phone, I drop my phone and I've lost everything. So I need something separate for my music and podcasts. So I have an iPod and a phone, which, and that's why, but he was blown away by it. So then it came to what kind of music do you like? So I said, oh, I've got everything on there, like, you know, Justin Timberlake, I've got NWA, I've got Slipknot, I've got Die Straits. And he goes, oh, he said, can I just tell you something? He said, I fucking hate Die Straits. <laughs> I, I was like, well, yeah, I get it. Like, some people do. I said, but I was just, I was raised on it, so I kind of didn't have a choice. It was just on in my dad's car all the time. So it, it just kind of, you know, I like Die Straits by osmosis, but you're right. He just came out with that, like, I fucking hate them. I was like, yeah, I don't blame you, dude. And I think you kind of thought, oh, well, that's good. Like, I could just say that and it doesn't matter. You're not somebody who takes it, like, super personally or anything, so... And it can, it can just spur you on into to more and more interesting conversation. On, exactly, on the subject exactly. of dropping and breaking phones, Dan, do you want to know how I know it's time to get a new phone? Did you drop and break your phone by any chance? Uh, no, I, the first part. So for the last three times I've replaced a phone, I've ended up dropping it in the toilet. So oh God, once I drop a phone, I, I very, very like I, I've never ended up with cracked screens. Really, you know, I'm not much of a phone dropper, or if I if I do, it never really gets too much damage or anything like that. I'll drop it in in the toilet eventually. It just happens, and then that's right. All right, time to get a new phone. <laughs> it's been in the bog because <laughs> you can't be walking around with something to your ear that you know has been in the toilet. You can't. No, I I agree. I agree. It's, it's just uh, funny how uh, how it's how it's happened to to three phones in a row now. Not not that you know it's happened. I've had three phones this month or anything like that. Like this is they've all all had two three years out of them, and then just eventually you know you're having you're having a wee. You've got one hand on your todger. Like right, let's have a little quick check on Twitter. You're not quite as steady on it as you are, and bam, bounces into the into the bowl. I think the only situation to resolve. I think the way to resolve the situation is you've got to start pissing in the sink. It's I can't think of a. <laughs> Or going outside into the grid or something. Yeah, yeah, I can't no. think of another way to solve this. Because even if I even if I um, drop it in a sink, like a sink that I'm pissing in, I'm probably going to piss on the phone. <laughs> Isn't it? That's the, true, the, actually. The yeah. fact that it's a bog isn't like necessarily the issue. It's more the thing that happens to it. Like it's, I'm dropping it in a puddle of piss. So I reckon if I if I pee outside, there's less of a chance that I'm going to drop the phone into piss. There you go then. Solved your problem. That's fine. You're now an outside urinator. It's perfect. Sorry, I just want to keep my phone safe. Let me just go outside and have a, have a whiz. Exactly. Dan, how do you feel about using your phone at the urinal? Well, yeah, you got to. I'm all for it. I'll <laughs> ring my wife when I'm sat having a shit. Yeah. I'll be like, all oh, right, I'm I'm bored. I'm just having a I'm having a dump. You know, what are you up to? And she'll be like, oh, for fuck's sake. It's it's hard because I know like, you work in like an abandoned hospital on your own or whatever. But <laughs> it is like that. Say, yeah, that's true. Say you're at like a public urinal. Would you would you get your phone out then? Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll take phone call. If somebody if I'm sat on the toilet in a public anywhere, and somebody rings me, not if I'm weeing, because again I'm I'm then concerned about I will drop my phone into the toilet. If I'm pinching a loaf, I'll take that call. I'm sat down. Why not? <laughs> I'll take that call. 
Yeah. <laughs> why, why not? When the universe calls you, answer it. Exactly. If I'm dropping the kids off at the pool, not if I'm having a wee. It, it, that, that's the thing. So I'm talking about like at the urinal, and it feels like it's one of those things that maybe we haven't had it around long enough that it's an unwritten rule that you know is communicated down through generations yet. But I feel like having your having your phone out at a urinal, it's it's a bit seedy, really, isn't it? Nobody knows what you're doing on that phone. Yeah, it is a bit. It is a bit. Let's move back to the wedding quickly. <laughs> Speaking of the wedding, one last thing for me, of course, a massive shout out to Joe from the podcast, Aww. who was not only a fine chap, a very fine looking chap, actually, looking very dapper in his blue suit. I think he, uh, I think he might have turned some heads. I don't know if he has a lady friend or not, but he should have done. He looked bloody good that night, dude. He looked good. He, uh, but he, he was also your photographer. You. I know. Yeah, he, he worked, worked, his, worked his arse off, worked his socks off. It was absolutely amazing because I didn't meet him until later on. Obviously, he was taking pictures the whole time. And then you, you're waiting to greet people as they're going for food. And you went, that's Joe. And I went, oh, my God, Joe from the podcast. It was like the meeting of three minds. But he was also great because he agreed with me that Tom Wilson was a menace and deserved to be taught a lesson. My, Joe at the moment is my favourite listener. Until someone else steps up with something like that, Joe's at the top of the, uh, the listener leaderboard. Yeah, but Joe's, Joe's a Neanderthal. So, did you not see how strong his brow was? You can't trust a single thing that comes out of that man's mouth. <laughs> Either way, he was a great guy. But it was, it was a great day. It was a great day. Oh, fantastic. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Dan. I really am. All right. Should we talk some hockey? I suppose we'll have to, really. everybody it's that time of the week it is the smooth recap congratulations to the boston bruins who beat the st louis blues this week to tie the series at four games all come on boys one more win and the cup is ours the predators secured their fans a fat trick last week against minnesota a free frosty for four goals a big Mac for a goal in the last five minutes and a donut for a shutout the New York Islanders have changed musical taste around to bolster their fortunes. Excision, Skrillex and Flux Pavilion providing the dubs in the locker room, with the Isles providing the dubs on the ice as they win seven in a row. The Blues season is going just as planned, with Vlad Tarasenko going down injured for five months. A 6-3-3 start almost derailed their blueprint set from last year. Tony D'Angelo becomes the first Rangers DMN in 23 years to record multiple points in three consecutive games. Oh! Speaking of things going exactly as planned, the Canucks are slipping down the standings and this week blew a 5-1 lead over the Capitals. Ah, sweet expectation. Much like a wedding I went to last weekend, Donuts are on show again as Peter Mrazek records his 20th career shutout. Todd McClellan didn't mince his words when discussing the King's recent road trip. McClellan declared the trip a success because it showed him that some players can't play in the league anymore. Jim Rutherford is going to be considered for the reboot of Steptoe and Son, or for our North American friends, Sanford and Son, as he turns Eric Gabranson into actual tangible assets. We'll finish with a stat shot this week as four teams have a power play percentage beginning with a three. 
Boston are sitting on 35.7%, Edmonton have 33.3%, the, the Islanders have a 30.8% hit rate, and Ottawa are shooting at a 3.7% rate on the power play. And that was your smooth recap. Alright, I do I do love these players ended up turning into this thing, trade trees. You know, like Jordan Nebley essentially became Ryan Spooner moving to Switzerland. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah I, I especially love when the trade tree ends with nothing, like left in free yeah. agency. It's like, oh, because yes. the, the, uh, with the Eric Branson thing, the Penguins turned a first into Andreas Martinson and a seventh. Bargain. <laughs> with that Absolute trade. bargain. Dude, I can't believe the Ducks took him on. And they took on all his salary. The Pens didn't trade a first for Gabranson started, though, did they? No, 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 no. The first was for. It's like a bit. What I mean, it's like a, it's like a long tree. It yeah, starts yeah, yeah. off with the Penguins trading for. I'm pretty sure it was David Perron, and then down and down and down and down it goes all, all the way down. Yeah, so, the, the Penguins first becomes Andreas Martinson and a seventh all the way down the trade tree. Ah, oh, there's but some yeah, like really said, good ones of those, but I and they normally involve um, the Leafs in somehow. Yeah, do you know what? There was one last year, and a cut, but it was a player from like 2001 or something, and it was like the last part as somebody either retired or left the league or something, but it was a player from 2001. And every time something else happened in that trade tree, it was a young player was attached to the trade, and it just went on for years and years and years. The trade tree was going further down. But yeah, they're so good. They're so good. I, I, I don't know if we... No, I'm still not going to congratulate Jim Rutherford for trading Erica Branson. That's just a, uh, a slight <laughs> on Bob Murray, really, isn't it? <laughs> I know. It's t- taken on all his cap as well. Oh, my God. But then Gabranson was playing better this year than he was last year. So, you know, it's je- and what, Martinson in the seventh? I mean, blew an egg. That's basically future, future uh, considerations by any other name, isn't it? But still, it is a tangible asset. <laughs> yeah, play Tangerine's a tangible asset. <laughs> Yeah, but at that point for Gabranson and his four mil- and his four million hit. Crazy. Uh, who's winning the cup this week? Uh, who's winning the cup? I'm winning the cup, Dan. I'm going to win the cup this Yay. week because uh, I've got a lovely wife, all that, and a lovely wedding. Getting a house tomorrow, and uh, and my groomsman bought me a switch. So, one holy of those shit! Things no is, way. Yeah, mental, isn't it? One of those things is more um, important than the rest, and I'll let you decide which one of those things. Well, I don't need to. to me. I don't. I don't need to obviously work out what that is because I know what it is. Are you going to get Mario Party then? Or uh, I might get Mario Party at some point. We've got we got Mario Kart. Uh, picked up the new Good. Zelda the other day, and uh, I've got Captain Toad Treasure Tracker coming tomorrow. So me and the wife can uh, can hunt for treasure. Oh, we got that. Sounds um, fantastic. That bloody Goose Game. Have you heard about that? I've played Goose Game. It's brilliant. Oh, oh mate, incredible! Absolutely incredible. You see, and they say they say grade A titles are dead. Is it? <laughs> Exactly, and all you need is a couple of Aussies thinking, right, what if we made a game centred around a goose that was a dickhead? For me, winning the cup is, I did, I did mention them in the smooth recap, but it is bears repeating. I think the New York Islanders are going to win. Having won seven games in a row without Jordan Ebley, Leo Komarov, Casey Sasekas, Matt Martin, Tom Kunakel and Andrew Ladd. Okay. Now um, I get it. Well, Some of those well, things, well, like those Sesame Street. completely different to the others, but I'll... Uh... I, I get it, I get it. Some of those, it's Sesame Street. Some of these things are not like the other, I understand. But still, they're all, and they're all forwards. So like, to take six forwards out of any team's lineup and for them to still win seven in a row, that is bloody impressive. That, maybe, hey, maybe Barry Trotz is a good coach. Who knew? 
is that impressive or is that actually a credit to how piss poor the uh, roster building has been for the New York Islanders <laughs> for the last however many years? I think it probably, yeah, good point. Probably speaks a bit more to uh, to the latter. But what can you do? Yeah, you. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, who's getting relegated? Who's getting relegated? Joel Eriksson Eck is going to get relegated for flinching. Have you seen this little uh, <laughs> this little clip, Dan? I have seen the little clip. I've seen this little flinch. Fantastic. For anyone who hasn't, it's uh, it's Stars Wild from the other night. Six three stars, by the way. Don't worry about it. Six goals unanswered. Forget about it. Um, some the you know, whistle goes in the corner. Joel Eriksson X fancies a bit of uh, a bit of afters and give a Stars player a slash. Then realises that, that Stars player is Jamie Ben, and Jamie Ben does that classic moving his head towards him and going Ugh! and. Ericsson Eck flinches like nobody's business. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I've, I can't, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of where I can defend him, but I can't, unfortunately. It's, it's a shame. Really, i got nothing. Because Ben being a good old Western Canadian boy that he is, heavy old-time hockey and all that, it's a shame to see a supposedly soft European player <laughs> balking <laughs> at the idea of a good old Canadian boy approaching him. It's, uh, yeah, not a good look for, uh, for the Swedes out there. It's true. I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to relegate the San Jose Sharks. I'm going to throw some in the spirit of Dmitry Filipovich or Jason Paul or Micah, friend of the show, Micah McCurdy. I'm going to throw some stats at you, Will. Uh, here are the San Jose, San Jose Sharks so far this season. Goals for 29th, goals yep. against 31st. Okay. Chances for 20th, chances against 30th. Corsi, 20th, shots for 22nd. Shots against 19th. Combined save percentage of 875. Combined goals against of 391. Now, not very good, really, is it? I'm, I'm not essentially what you would call a hockey man, Will. But I don't think those numbers are very good. I mean... Yeah, but Patrick Marlowe's got six points in nine games, so that's all right. That's true. And he's, make, you know, he's making basic salary, so he's done a favour. That's, that's nice. It's, it's all a bit worrying, isn't it, really? It's very worrying because... The, because even though the two goalies are playing poorly, as I discussed with Paul Campbell when he was on the show, it's not. Sometimes it's the goalie's fault, but it's not always the goalie's fault. And Martin Jones has faced the third most high danger chances against him, and Aaron Dell is facing the third closest shot distance against him. So it's not like the players are even helping out their goalies much either. It's almost like losing a forty-goal player has um, affected them. <laughs> One forty goal player, and that's it. <laughs> You're telling me that's it. The whole team's derailed. What's this? Forty goals is forty goals, though, Dan. It's not just forty goal player and your captain. Like, not every team can be the New York Islanders. <laughs> <laughs> not every team has an Anders Lee waiting in the wings to take over the situation. I don't want to bring up cap friendly and the San Jose Sharks <laughs> in the same <laughs> sentence, but I did have a quick check before the show. And they're committed to 60... This is without re-signing Kevin LeBanc. So if Kevin LeBanc doesn't re-sign, they've still got 13 players signed for next year for $63.5 million. Well, he, he is going to re-sign, so make that 14 players for $64.5 million. <laughs> when he signs his eight-year, eight million total uh, contract. Man, Carson looks all over the place as well. He's just... I don't know what's going on with that team. It's insane. It oh, is insane. Who'd have thought paying a man with one foot would be a problem? <laughs> who'd, who could have seen it coming? 
Who could have seen it coming where three of your highest paid, you know, your, your elite defence corps are all 33 and older? Or however old Carlson is. Yeah, all right, the only one who's not over 30 is uh, has one foot. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. What do you What do you want from him? It's like we um we didn't like forget to start the podcast, did we? And we like skipped a couple of seasons. I mean, maybe, maybe it's like Flight the Navigator, where at some point both of us fell down into a ditch somewhere. We woke up and it was like eight years later. Yeah. And Eric Carlson's now in the final, and like you know Brent, but they're all in the final year of those ridiculous contracts, and they're sort of thirty six and thirty eight or whatever. Nah, nah. I think it's just that Carlson has one foot, and and everybody else is getting older. Everybody else is getting older. They're they're brand it's new true. captains. What twenty nine, thirty? You could argue they've lost Eric, Eric Carlson as well, in a way. <laughs> you know, well, they've lost a percentage of him. Yeah, all jokes aside, <laughs> like he's yeah, they've still physically got a player that wears number sixty five. But if yeah. he's not playing like Eric Carlson, he's not Eric Carlson. God, thirty first in goals against. That's that shocking. That is rough. Yeah, it's funny. That, that is rough. How many starters of scratches you got? Uh, I've got a pair of each. Pair of each. Uh, I've got. I've only got two and one. I'll go first then, I guess. Come on, hit me with it. This is something else for me to bring up, Will. I'm going to start the opera. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. As last week, it was, uh, I don't know, hashtag opera day or opera appreciation day or something. And I mentioned that I was a fan of the opera and you wanted to talk to me about it. So uh, any questions, Will? What, what, how can I help you here? You, you don't like opera, Dan. I, I do like opera, no, Will, no, I'm afraid. You, no, you don't. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I don't, like, I don't, obviously I understand that for enough. <laughs> I, I just don't know what to say. I, I completely forgot I've broken about your brain. You really have. Of all the things I've ever said to you, this is the one you're like, no, hang on, what? Because that's just <laughs> mental, like, nobody likes opera. I mean, they do, and, and have done for literally hundreds of years. But it, <laughs> you say, oh, Jesus Christ, it's like you're mad into Renaissance paintings. Like, I just, I... <laughs> So no, but I I am a man of culture. Will. I I like art. I am a I am a, I like art. I like opera. I like classical music. Do you know how much I like opera? Will I have an opera tattoo? That's how much I like opera. Yeah, I, mate. I've got like I've got tattoos. So I that doesn't mean I necessarily care about things as much as my skin would claim I do. Right. <laughs> That's a very poor choice of tattoo, then, Will. Well, no, the tattoos are there to be terrible. <laughs> okay, how did you get into opera? Let's do this. Let's let's get through this quickly. Dan, how did <laughs> opera begin? Take take me back through the trade tree of opera and how it leads directly to you. <laughs> yeah, somehow Jordan Ebley becomes Luciano Pavarotti or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, with Ryan Spooner moving to Switzerland, if he goes and sees an opera, there we oh, go. Jesus, Christ, it's over. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, my mum liked opera and she was a huge fan of the three tenors. And she was just watching it one night and I was I was upstairs, came downstairs and I went to walk through the room and Pavarotti was blasting out one of his solos. And I was kind of transfixed. I don't know why, but something about it just, I don't know, just spoke to me. And then I just started like looking into it a bit more and a bit more reading about it. And all operatic stories are fascinating because most of them are just tragedies. Opera is tragedy. That's most of what it is. It's a jilted lover. It's usually a jilted lover, actually. Or somebody trying to escape hell or something like that. But that's that's how I got into it. So what... 
what is it you actually like about opera? To be to be fair, I've never had more than a cursory experience with with opera, but I don't, I understand that there's good storytelling probably, and like there is definitely skill in operatic singing. But it's just one of those things I do not understand in the slightest. I think you have to be of a certain mindset. You have to be of a certain mindset to appreciate it because I'm the kind of guy who can enjoy. Like I said before, I'm a huge fan of wrestling. And I'll watch Japanese wrestling, and it's much better with Japanese commentary. I have no idea what they're saying. Not a single clue. Apart from Americanized words that are used like suplex or pile driver or something. Those words are Americanized, and they're the, they, there's not a Japanese word for suplex. So they all just say it. Everything else in between, every other single word, I don't have a single clue what the Japanese commentators are saying. But it's like it's like a passion. You can kind of you can kind of feel it. It's it's a weird thing to explain. It's a weird thing to explain. So my favorite opera is um, Pagliacci, which is about a clown. It's a very quickly, very quickly. It's about a guy who plays a clown in a show, yeah. and his wife is having an affair. Okay. He doesn't know at the time. Another guy makes an advancement on his wife. She like brushes him aside and laughs him off, saying like You're worthless. Why would I ever look at you? This guy then finds out the wife is actually having an affair with someone else. So he goes and tells the husband to spite her, not realizing that it would drive the husband. It drives the husband insane, basically. So during the show, the husband and wife are performing together in front of this audience, and the play mimics their life together. And it turns out in the play, she's also in the play, she's having an affair. And while this is happening in the show, he starts to lose his mind and he kills her during the show. He actually kills her during the show, but the, the audience think it's part of the show. So they're cheering and applauding and he's actually just killed his wife. The guy she's having an affair with rushes on stage to save her and uh, the husband kills him as well. Mm. At this point, the audience realize what's going on and it's just, it's the way it's done. And there's a clip of Pavarotti singing a song from Pagliacci probably the most famous song and it's on YouTube and it's absolutely mesmerizing. And I I, I have no idea what he's saying. I have no idea what he's saying, but he just, he's just, he's just singing this song and he can see like the emotion in his face and everything. And the last line. So this, this guy's dressed as a clown. He's just killed his wife and her lover on stage in front of an audience. And as the curtain comes down, he just says the comedy is over. And that line just like, it just hits me like a, like a slap in the face. That line is amazing. It's such a powerful line to encapsulate everything that's just happened in that entire show. As I just find as a, pe- as a piece of art, I find, like, I really like Edgar Allan Poe short stories. Mm. Like, I love them. Like, if anyone, everyone listens to this, if you're into, like, sort of dark, gothic kind of writing or even, like, like monster movies or, stupid, you know, like you like horror films, stuff, stupid stuff like that, like, read Edgar Allan Poe. He's amazing. He is absolutely amazing. Like, the, the Black Cat is one of the best things I've ever read, and it's, like, this really, really short story. But it's amazing. I'm a cultured man. Well, that's what it is. It, uh, it definitely seems that way, and I'm going to have to believe you until proven otherwise. Unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry. No. 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 Top of the pops for me. It's a straight opera this week. Straight. Uh, straight onto the. Not even the proms. Like it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, That's how antiquated your uh, your music taste is. There we go. All right. What are you starting? Bringing us straight back into uh, into modern times, I'm going to start the Blue Jackets social media team, the first social media Fantastic. team of the year that we're starting. Have you seen the video of when the Lightning meet uh, Post Malone? 
I haven't, no. So it's just a little photo of a few Lightning players doing old arms around each other with Post Malone in the middle. And um, the Blue Jackets commented on the Instagram post for it by the NHL saying, <laughs> in quotation marks, uh, Alexa, play I Fall Apart by Post Malone. And it's just, ah, oh, <laughs> beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. That's the sort of stuff. That, that, that's what... That's what social media is for. That's what commenting is for. That's peak team commenting at other team Instagram feeds is designed for. And you know, hats off to the Blue Jackets. That was incredible. I think since I think since Vegas have come into the league, everybody like everyone's Twitter game, everyone's Instagram game has had to step up because they came out of the gate hot, and everyone loved it. And everyone and then all the other teams were kind of like, actually, yeah, we should be doing this. We should be taking the piss more. That kind of thing. There were there were teams still doing some stuff before Vegas came along. Like I know the Kings have always been good at that sort of stuff. The Blue Jackets have been doing it for a while, and the Stars have, have always been good at that sort of thing. But you're right; it's almost uncorked it, and and the teams that were leagues ahead in that field already have just been like, right, let's crack on. You know, all bets are off now. My my second starter is somewhat surprising, but Gary Bettman found right. his way into my black cart this week. After he made a comment at the outdoor game. And mm-hmm. I like this because it's just pure snidiness. So he was asked about the playoff format, about changing it. And he said, essentially, we have a system that we think that works and everyone seems to like it, except Leafs fans. <laughs> I'd... I mean... I was like, oh, Gary, you cheeky little devil. <laughs> part, part of that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, part of it's true. I think everyone, I think no one likes it. I don't like it. I should like it, but I, I don't like it. <laughs> but then it's really, the Atlantic Division is the main division that's being plagued by the issues at the moment. Like it could easily happen to any other division. It just yes. is happening to the Atlantic at the moment. Yes, because last year the three best teams that were like kind of in that situation. Yeah, but that like you know. Yeah. But then we get to like say you get to the playoffs and who knows what happens anyway. So okay, yeah. Well, you're the starter. Um, at the start, I'm just going to be a quick one. Uh, I don't want to talk about it at all. It's my one for the year, and I'm going to start the Bruins' top line, uh, and that, I'll take no further questions. Well, luckily for you, we might have to talk about those later. <laughs> yeah, I, I, did, uh, I did foresee that, but credit where credit's due. Fucking... Okay, so you've got you've got two scratches then, did you say? Uh, yeah, I've got a pair. I've got a pair. Okay, you go first then, mate. Uh, my first is going to be, I'm going to scratch anyone who is still buying Edmonton. And Buffalo stock at this stage of the game. It's all going to come crumbling down, people. It's all going to come crumbling down. Like, there's no way that we're going to get to... I'd, I'd argue the end of November and still have the Oilers at the top of the Pacific and the Sabres in a playoff spot. We've seen this time and time again, especially with the bloody Sabres. Last year, played 10 on the bounce. Stop mugging yourselves off and stop setting yourself up for a fall. Does this in any way relate to usage of players by any chance? <laughs> no, if if you could if you could guarantee that you know Dries Island with David we're gonna be able to carry Edmonton for the rest of the year, then yeah I'd say bet on them all the way. But unfortunately the rest of that roster, even playing thirty minutes a night combined between them, is a is enough of a detriment. Do you know how many goals you can score in thirty minutes of play? <laughs> a lot. No. Quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dimitri put it out, didn't he, that with McDavid and Dreisaitl on the ice, your lads are outscoring teams something like 17-4, to 4, but with them not on the ice, they're getting outscored like 25-3 to 3 or something oh, terrible like and, that. And and even just 
isolated to McDavid, it was something like, you know, double digits, double digits to low single digits with him on the ice, and then they were being outscored like eight to five with him off the ice and stuff like that. It's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, just one player is enough. Not that Leon Draisaitl isn't the second best player in the league, but of course, behind obviously behind Pasternak, <laughs> behind Mitch Marner. <laughs> okay, let's move on. I'm having one scratch this week, and it's one of those weeks where players getting paid a fuck ton of money for being bad really irks me. <laughs> I am a complicated as, as man, as we've, as we've described, and you know, I, I've I've subscribed "snake it till you make it" a million times, but this week it's just great in me that Sergei Bobrovsky, currently sitting at an 870 save percentage, making 10 million dollars, <laughs> just really grinded my gears. Oh my god! Oh god, who could, who could have seen it coming? If who only, would have predicted? If only there was, if only there was a warning, a cautionary tale, a cautionary tale. There you go. If only there, there were a go. cautionary tale within the NHL about paying goalies ten million dollars a year or more, and how terribly that could go for you when they don't play very well, <laughs> or even don't continue their MVP sort of level playing um yeah if only if only that was out there so to be fair to um dale talon that's his name to be fair to dale talon he couldn't possibly foresee what would happen if he paid sergey Bobrovsky 10 million dollars a season couldn't have seen it what can you do i think your choice of phrase there was who would have known he wouldn't play very well i think can be changed to who would have known he wouldn't just play well i could i could see him putting up these kinds of numbers but i would have expected it in may potentially june not October and November. Well, if you, I think if you'd have said to me, I'd have expected it in May, twenty twenty three. I'd have said, yeah, all right, yeah, maybe at that point he'll, uh, you know, I think he would have slipped down a little bit, but maybe he'll turn it around. Jesus, this eight seventy, ten million dollars, fucking hell. It's a, it's a bad, it's a bad start, bad, bad look for for Mister Bobrovsky, Officer Bob. All right, what's your final scratch? Uh, my final scratch links it back to the beginning, which is incredible because I'm just that greater guy. I'm going to scratch the creepy DJ uh, at my wedding from the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Did I tell you about this at the time? No, please go on. Oh my fucking God. So this DJ, right, he he grabs me and Grace before before he starts the the discotheque portion of the evening. Presumably just to go for a couple of bits and bobs about, you know, first dance and all that sort of nonsense. He, um... So he starts off by saying, you know, your world and your grace, yep, that, that makes sense. He should be privy to that information. I would imagine he knows who's getting married sort of thing and relatively obvious which one of us is which in that regard. And then uh, then he points at my daughter and says, and I assume that's little Luna, which is the first... Hang on a fucking second. <laughs> What's this all about? Uh, he, he proceeds to uh, explain... For reasons which still aren't apparent to me, <laughs> that he Facebook stalked us. <laughs> what? Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. Even I, I don't have any answers for you, Dan. I don't know why. I don't know why he did it. I'm sure he probably said at the time, but I was just a bit too like, what the fuck is going on here, to uh, to take it in. So he 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 Facebook stalked Grace and myself, subsequently finding out who Luna was and um, also mentioned multiple times that I'm a hockey player which is just 
weird because I, I don't have a, a profile picture of me playing hockey on Facebook. <laughs> I yeah, and 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 he even went on to say that he was annoyed that he couldn't like he I forget whether he said he couldn't see pictures or he couldn't see much or whatever. Basically alluded to the fact that he tried to see all throughout our profiles, but they were set to private. So um. <laughs> I'm not God. only going to scratch this very, very creepy DJ who also did a relatively shabby job. It's just the whole idea of admitting to stalking people on social media. Like, you know, everybody does it. You know, it's, it's like picking your nose while you're driving. Everybody does it. But you, you, <laughs> you don't get to your destination and say, cool, I had a proper good feel around. <laughs> I was proper digging for gold on the way over here. Or... And the next time you see someone say, oh, I was looking for all your uh, holiday photos from 2016. Looks like you had a good time in Magaluf. I was going to say, so, uh, during the evening, I was going to say, during the evening, I hope he would have done something like that, where he would have said, okay, folks, let's go back to 2017, on that night that Luna was conceived, <laughs> and Will and Grace, and Will and Grace, when they first met, danced to this song, and you'll be like, how the fuck does he know? Like, how does he know that? What's happening? <laughs> absolute freak yeah I, I, I still I still don't know what to say about that quite frankly but it was uh, very um, unsettling <laughs> to say that. especially where you I think he was like 6 foot 5 6 foot 6 he was taller than I am not that I'm enormous but he was he was tall enough that he definitely classed a sort of Slender Man-esque figure like if, if Slender Man was a 55 year old DJ from <laughs> Norfolk Wedding DJ. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. God, I've got my intro, I've got my intro for, my sh- for the show next week. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got to find it all on Facebook first? <laughs> it's just like, what? Yeah, the intro, the intro is going to be with my good friend, a man who, and then I'm just going to read your entire life <laughs> off Facebook. <laughs> a man who likes pages such as... <laughs> A man who first set up a Facebook account in 2013 <laughs> and joined the group. Wow, hockey, isn't that cool? <laughs> a man whose MySpace URL is http. <laughs> that would have been worse, wouldn't it? If you'd brought if you brought up like your band's MySpace or something. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, I don't. Jesus Christ. I hadn't really thought about it until now, but maybe I should lock my windows when I go to bed. Yeah, maybe. It's not, like, it's not... Hopefully he's not waiting at a new house for you tomorrow with a bottle of champagne. (laughs) I just assumed you were having a housewarming party and thought you'd need a DJ. Oh, my God. It's not the fact that he did it, like, fair play to an extent. Like, I've definitely stalked a thousand people on on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. You know, everyone, everyone likes a little route around with curious beings by nature but i'd love to i'd love to see him at christmas like everyone, well, if you get a present if you get a present from him I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking more okay you're gonna get a, you're gonna get there's gonna be a box under the tree like who the hell is this from <laughs> like enjoy enjoy these new headphones from your best friend who are these from i don't know Oh my god! I, I think anything weird and unexplained that happens in my life from here on out, here on out, will be uh, credited to the DJ, <laughs> unnamed DJ. It's the DJ. The DJ did it. It's an episode, mate. You're in an episode of Black Mirror. It's, uh, it's quite the opposite of the song last night. A DJ saved my life. 
<laughs> maybe we'll have to yeah, be, yeah, be panicked by the Smiths, I think. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> mate. Oh, if, I, if I'd have my head switched on, I'd have uh, I'd requested it. Just repeatedly. <laughs> while staring at him. Only singing along making to a, the chorus. Making, a, making a, um, a slow throat slit with your finger. It's like just staring him down. <laughs> Oh, dear me. That is insane. Mental, that is insane. It? I'm glad that you think it's mental. Cause... Yeah, that is mental. That Dude, that's fucking... Pre, that's, pre, that's some pre-crime that's, shit. That, that is. Yeah, that's proper... Absolute pre-crime. All right. Let's get on to some more stuff. Don't forget, folks, you can go to Red Circle Podcast, find 2Bits1 Puck, and if you like, you can sponsor or donate to the show. Also, please do jump on iTunes I'll leave a five-star review because if you don't, I will kill next door's dog and Will might get killed by a DJ. And I don't think you want that on your conscience, do you? So so please go and do that. So in part two as well of our interview with our confirmed new bestie, Meredith Foster, she talks about the treatment of the Swedish women's national team, which is absolutely astounding when you hear what these women had to go through to just represent their country. You would think it's the Olympics and everyone gets the best of everything and oh my god, like the national teams get taken care of and they just don't. It's it's pretty atrocious. We also talk about women's teams in Scandinavia, and I unwittingly made Meredith very nervous about the great new TV deal that's for the Swedish Women's League. <laughs> Almost nearly ruining it for her uh, very quickly. And nearly ruining our new best friendship. But luckily we uh, we brought it back with talk of makeup and glitter. So here she is, uh, Meredith Foster part two. wanted to just moving on then talking about sure. hopefully growing the women's game and, and pushing on a bit um obviously the swedish women women's national team yes they, uh, this may seem like i'm asking you to open the tardis and write down a list of everything <laughs> but could you explain the situation for the uninitiated sure. about why they boycotted training camp and the five nations tournament sure okay so this goes back this goes back a few years back in 2006 the Swedes basically shocked the world because they came, they won silver at the Olympics. They knocked out the U.S. to get to the gold medal game, and no one expected this. This is the only time in the history of the women's game at the Olympics that the gold medal game wasn't between Canada and the United States. And then since then, you know, everyone figured, okay, this is going to be a really good trajectory of this team and of increasing parity in the, um, I guess, like the big nations of women's hockey. And that's really not what happened. It really just sort of went downhill, and in after the 2014 Olympics, they brought in a coach named Leif Work, who had zero experience in the women's game whatsoever. He'd won one sort of, I can't remember if it was a silver medal or a gold medal, I think it was a silver. He'd won one thing as a coach back in the mid-80s, so not even in my lifetime, I don't think, and he destroyed that team. He was very much enabled by the uh, the old boys club at the top, but it got to the point where he kicked off one of the generational defenders of this era of Swedish hockey, Emma Eliasson. He removed her from the team because she didn't agree with him. He bullied and fat shamed the captain, Jenny Azerholt, into leaving the team. So she just she, she continued her career in the SDHL for a couple more years, but she left the national team. She wasn't going to play on him anymore. They wound up coming in seventh at the Olympics um, in 2018, which is a low in just an absolute low in their history. And then at Worlds this year, they wound up getting relegated. So they're not in the top tier of the IAHF anymore. And he finally was let go after the 2018 Olympics. The Federation actually quashed Run Revolt already against him. 
the players wrote a letter just like we are not happy we're not we're not making any progress he's a very he was a very old school style coach is what the way that people described it to me but you know it's my way or it's the highway and in hockey, when I say, in hockey? I, no you're kidding oh i know it's stunning it's remarkable it's remarkable that a yeah, man would have no this way. but yeah he had zero but he had zero business coaching the team and it showed the results showed on the ice they were horribly demoralized and by the time ilva martinson came in in 2018 it was just it was just completely scraping at the bottom of the barrel and so the team finally after they got relegated they said we've had enough and they put out a list when they just when they declared the uh, the boycott they put out a list of reasons why they were boycotting and among the reasons were they were getting when you know how like whenever a national team travels like you get you know you get you get close you get close you know they have like your country's logo or whatever on it they were, yeah, get, yeah. They were given they were being given men's clothes despite the re- the repeated requests of like hey can we have some stuff that fits us because we're not dudes but they were just like no this is equality equality is the men's stuff because this is just it's one for everybody they were being given supplements that were expired like months in the past from when they got them jesus their travel arrangements were ridiculous like one tournament was in Turku in Finland and um, they had to travel back to Stockholm. And if you take, if you look on a map between where Turku is, it's on the Southern West coast of Finland and where Stockholm is, it's a really short distance between the two of them. They made them take a holiday ferry back and the ferry takes about 10 hours. A flight takes one hour. So that's 10 hours of travel that you have to do regardless. And if you're not based in Stockholm, if you're based up in Luleå, like way up North in Sweden, that's more travel time. So stuff like that. Also, very little insurance for any time they set foot on the ice for Sweden. Um, they're not being re- they weren't being reimbursed for the times that they had to miss work to go to training camps or to tournaments. Just all kinds of just really horrible stuff. And they just they got sick of it. God love them. They got sick of it. And they're like, all right, all right, we're not doing this anymore. We're done. And so they sat out for they boycotted for two months and they finally finally reached a resolution. And my personal favorite part of the Federation's response was like the day this was declared, they came out with a response that said, we are surprised. Like, you know what? I bet you fucking are because I bet you thought <laughs> you could get away with this forever. And then also the um, Anders Larsson, who is the head of the, uh, the Swedish Ice Hockey Association, he didn't say anything for six days after this was declared. Like you have a national team on strike and you're just dead silent for almost a week. Like the Swedish media was going nuts with this because like, this is the one man you would expect to hear from. Nothing. Absolutely nothing for six whole days. It's, it's like they were treating him like a beer league team, basically. Uh, 100%. 100%. 100%. Even probably a beer league team would have been treated better than they were because, again, it's this huge old boys network that doesn't see the women as being valuable. But the strike the strike did its thing. The tournament is still off, but they're getting back into um, – they're getting back into training camp. They're getting ready for another tournament that is um, – it's in Germany. I want to say it's in Germany in November. But the fact that they've started up again is really, really good. And also the coach that they have now, Ilva Martinson, she, she's great. I love Ilva quite a lot. I think she's the right person for the job. She just kind of happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time in terms of the boycott happening and whatnot because she was actually – one of the ones who won silver in 2006. So she knows what they're going through. She knows what they're fighting against. And she'll also – whether it's publicly or whether it's just, you know, maybe calling up players, she knows what they're going through and she'll know how to advocate them and how to support them while still like, you know, not pissing off the men. So hopefully it's hopefully now that they have, um, they've got proper insurance now 
they'll get compensation for um for missing their for missing missing work because you don't um playing hockey is not a full-time job for only but a handful of women in the world mm. so they'll be able to um be able to support themselves and pay the rent and get some of the respect that they so richly deserve it, it sounds like a, a lot of like the u.s women's boycott of, of a couple of years ago but with yeah. even more extreme yes. like loans for where they started which yes, is just i would agree Crazy, because you, know, you you think of Scandinavian, you think of slightly more progressive nations and and things like that. But to to see Sweden, it's a thing of oh, we've got a successful women's team. You know what that successful women's team needs? It needs a man's touch. Because why wouldn't mm. it? Like, and and it just completely blew up. The the hope is the fact that they're missing the four nations even after you know resolving the boycott. Mm-hmm. That will hopefully be even more of a stamp for the federation. To say, look, this oh, is so. you've actually had some consequences now. Like. Let's let's move forward and and make sure this never happens again. Exactly, and also too, the Four Nations tournament was due to be held up in Lulio, which is quite possibly the best environment for women's hockey in the entire country. And this would have been because I've been up there, I've been to their rink, I've seen how they treat their um their SDHL team. That would have been a really fan, despite you know the trouble of getting all the way up there because you're like an hour south of the Arctic Circle. It would have been a fantastic showcase for. Oh, hey, Blaine, what's up? It would have been a fantastic case uh, <laughs> showcase for Swedish women's hockey and how much it's grown. And now they just they pissed it away, essentially. Do you believe the women's teams and leagues do get more? Do they get more respect in Scandinavia? Or have you noticed this is just the same all over the world? It depends on where you're talking about. This is a really interesting case because in Sweden, like you just like we were just talking about, you see the women's teams conditions were so bad that they were boycotting. Whereas in Finland, the women's team actually gets they don't get all the respect they deserve. Of course, it sucks, but it is what it is. But they have Pasimustonen is the coach of Team Finland, and he is one of the most consistently vocal advocates for equality that I've seen. And as far as a coach, like I call him the honey badger because he does not give a shit. He will say whatever is on his mind in the media, and it's <laughs> awesome. Like he called the, he called some of the um, some of the Swedish not not Swedish sorry some of the Finnish um, ice hockey dudes. He called them dinosaurs. In one article that he wrote, just he just he doesn't care. He's great, and they also get things like they get pretty good medal bonuses for when they succeed. They're taken they're taken pretty well care of, but the league and the women's league in Finland gets significantly less. So the league isn't treated as well as it is over in Sweden, whereas the national team in Sweden isn't treated as well over it is in in Finland. Because of course you can't possibly have both. Yeah, that'd be oh, that'd no. be asking far too much. That'd be ridiculous. Oh no, no. No. no, it's it's one or the other. Yeah, if you're if you represent the national team, great. But you can't have any stability in your in your day to day hockey business. But well, there uh, was actually um, st- there was actually um the uh, Kiko Espo. That's they used to be the they used to be the Blues. They've changed names like three times in the past five years. But they had um one of the, I think it was a playoff game last um last spring. They got moved or they were going to get moved out of their arena so that a junior boys team could play there instead. I mean, it's shit like that. God, I know, right? that's what what can you even say to that i know you just you just want to throw your hands up and scream and maybe hit your head against a wall a couple of times and so there's there's work to there's work to be done everywhere but on a national team level finland is really they've really invested since the 2014 olympics they've really given these women the tools to succeed and it's it's worked it's worked. I mean, you look at the world championships last year, they should have won that gold medal. They got robbed as far as I'm concerned, 
but they put on an absolute hell of a show and it was really an announcement to the world of just how much this program has grown that they were able to keep up with the US and also to win I mean, basically win the gold medal that they didn't actually win but whatever I'm still mad about that game in case you can't tell <laughs> I don't, I don't well, think it's uh, uh, irrational to be to be mad about a one goal game for <laughs> many months afterwards. You know, that's it's pretty standard fare for for any sports fan. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, and that that um, that irrationality will start to even pursue even more now. You're into soccer as well. I mean, oh, oh things... no, oh, oh no, it happens. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> these things. I'm these so things mad. Grand, I'm so mad that Grant Shaka is captain, but you know, <laughs> I'll let it go. I know they vote. I know they voted on it. He's a good dude. But damn it. Anyway. It's fine, though, because when he gets sent off every game, it means he'll only be the captain for about 30 minutes every match, and then he can pass it on to whoever's left. Oh, yeah. God. Fucking Arsenal, man. <laughs> You're preaching to the choir, Meredith. With... Before... Oh, sorry. I was, I was going to say, before yeah, before Meredith flies into another soccer-induced rage, uh, let's, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> I, I just wanted to sorry. touch, Dan, sorry, yeah, just before we move on to something else. When you're saying the, the Finnish uh, domestic league is sort of behind uh, the Swedish domestic league as far as you know, women's hockey is concerned, mm-hmm. do you think the TV deal that the Sweden, the SDHL now has and and the potential benefits from that and you know further exposure and further profit margins and all that wonderful part of sports, if that's the success for Sweden, do you think they'll have a direct knock on to how Finland treats its domestic league? I'm not sure. I would like to say that, yes, if you see that, hey, if we put out a good product and actually get it to make it easier for an audience to access. But it's I'm not I'm really I'm really not sure. I'm really not sure. I would like to see more of the more of the league get involved with the women's league, because um, the way that the way that um, these leagues work in Sweden and in Finland is different than the way they work over here in the States okay. in terms of like, they're all, they're both administered underneath the, uh, the govern the national governing body versus the NWHL being its own thing apart from USA hockey and how the CWHL was separate from hockey Canada. So I think if, I think too, it'll also help if the, uh, the Finnish national team continues to, continues to ascend and they've got some really good young players in their pipeline and if they keep Mustan in and they keep doing their thing i think they can really keep growing um i think as more interest grows based on the national team then it might be more likely to see um to see more investment in uh the nice and liga and to see um to see more interest and that leading to more investment but um i don't know that it would be related to what they see next door yeah because i suppose in in some ways they'd only have to look across the atlantic and see mm-hmm. Yeah, the the moderate success of the women's leagues in North America to to make changes within their own within their own leagues. So it yeah. comes down to prior, it comes down to priority though. Like, are you making are you making women and women's sports a priority for your federation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, are you at all concerned about the TV deal in that if it if it doesn't succeed, that there'll be lots of talk of well, we tried it once and that's it. So what's the point? That could definitely happen, but um, as the um, I wasn't, and then you mentioned it, and now I am. <laughs> oh, God, sorry, it's all right. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know, and now I'm like, oh damn you! Now I'm thinking about this. Oh no. <laughs> um, well, for, for the uninitiated, it's like how how big a deal are sport Canalen and uh, and is it C C plus? Is it sorry the other one? 
Seymour, Seymour Sport, I believe. Well, Justin they got it. They got it on. Um, they got it on S. You know what? I wrote a whole thing about this. Let me just let me do the easy thing and just get my own article out. Yeah, this is us exposing the the lack of preparation we do with anything in life. Oh, it's all right. You can see I didn't. I didn't either. That's, that's uh, good. We're all in the same boat. It's, yeah, it's just understanding how, like, you know, whether this is like them getting on ESPN for Finland or whether it's getting on the the Golf you, Channel. Or... You know what? It might kind of if the stuff that they get on SBT is kind of like them getting on getting on the BBC now. I don't know if that would be like BBC One or BBC Two or however many. I don't know how many y'all got now. There's quite. Oh, yeah, we got a few. You know, we tried oh to keep God, a few in Indiana, stock. My Indiana yeah. just came out so bad there, but um, <laughs> really getting on like getting on the bigger um, public access channels is kind of the dream that's what you want and like people were watching i know they were on they had the sdhl finals were on svt last year and people were watching and people were paying attention i think that helped galvanize getting them more tv exposure because it's like hey people actually want to watch this people give a shit and that's wonderful it's it's the beauty of terrestrial tv like you put anything on terrestrial tv and people are going to watch it and then you're gonna you're gonna mint new fans because of it totally i mean even if it's just i mean and not to go back to my own stuff, but even if you just get some wingnut like me who wants it as background noise when I was watching the World Cup and suddenly you have a new fan, that's successful right there. Definitely, definitely. And 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 that whole thing of having a program on or, or a game on after you know, a big, highly oh, yeah. anticipated bit of television, you know, people are going to bleed into the next program and then, oh, see, that's on, let's see what's it, what it's all about. Like, yeah. you have such a captive audience with terrestrial TV. It's, it's yes. really one that everybody should be trying to exploit. Totally. We, uh, we do have something in common, is that we both cover our respective sports from the other side of the Atlantic. <laughs> do you ever feel like when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you've got to do is jump online, jump on Twitter to find out any news you can? Do you ever feel any pressure to do that? I do that pretty much every morning, just naturally. Um, yeah. I, don't, like, I don't feel it as a pressure. Like, I love doing this. Like, even when I may not have the time to put to it that I want, this is, like, this really is a passion project for me because... I want to be able to, I want to be able to get these women the exposure that they deserve. And for better or for worse, English is a much more widely spoken language than Finnish is. It's a much more widely spoken language than Swedish is. And so if I can get somebody over here who didn't know that, hey, there's a really awesome player because they just wouldn't have read about it in a language that they're, excuse me, in a language that they're more familiar with then that's absolutely worth it to me. And so it's not a pressure thing. It's just like, this is fun. This is fun. And this is something that I can do that is a time, even if it's, you know, it's a, it's one like grain of sand in the contribution that all the other people that cover women's hockey and women's sports period are doing. This is my little grain of sand. This is my little niche. And I'm going to do it right because it matters to me and it deserves as much dedication as I can give it. You could have blown me away with that. I love, I love that notion. Like you're, you are taking a stand and saying, "Okay, I'm going to be somebody who makes a difference." I mean, or, like you say, it's like you say, like you may think it's you know in my own little way, and I'm I'm writing articles and things like that. But I want to be somebody that, and maybe an uninitiated, uninitiated person can come to this website yeah. and they can read my articles or read what I'm writing on Twitter and can say, "Actually, yeah, do you know what? She's right. I want to I want to follow this through." That's what I, that's what I that's really what I want because and part of like I try not to get too like intense about how I feel about society in general because I'll go nuts if I think about it too hard especially in the current climate of the United States but helping not just other women but other 
minorities, non-binary people, people of different races, people of different genders. I come from a place of privilege. Like I'm a, I'm a middle-class white woman. I'm aware of this. And if people will listen more to me because I'm a middle-class white woman, okay, that sucks. Fuck you. Listen to other people, not me, but Hey, if you get introduced to this from me and are able to broaden your horizons to listen to other people who you absolutely should be listening to, then okay, good. If I'm your introduction and then you find groups like, are you guys familiar with the Black Girl Hockey Club on Twitter at all? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've yes, them, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Like, listen to listen to them. And if somehow you get to them through me, I don't know how the hell that would happen. Good. That's what I want. Like, just to broaden people and to help them see that the world and hockey culture is not just this tiny little microcosm of cisgender white dudes. That's what I want. It's, it's a thing where, you know, be it in sport or the wider society, like, you you can't control the privilege you have, but no. you can control how you use it to influence other people and what that's you can that's exactly, use your that's platform exactly, to expose. That's exactly how I look at it. Like, I have the I have the benefit of being an English speaker. My Swedish is getting better little by little. But if I can use this language that is my native language and spread the word of other people, cool, let's do it. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and I'm going to do it as, as, intensely, as, as intensely as I can because... It matters to me. And if I see it mattering to other people, then that just makes me very happy. And then you're doing it from a fantastic place, like to to be part of the Ice Garden and to be able to to write about Nordic hockey from such an incredible platform, like arguably the the peak of women's hockey journalism at this oh, point. Oh, thank you. Like, no, 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 I mean, partly, you know, unfortunately, nowhere else is really covering it that much. The major sort of outlets aren't. But yeah, the work at the Ice Garden, like you say, where, where Hannah started started it all and set all your wonderful people up doing this incredible work like it's a perfect place to expose people to nordic hockey and yeah you're doing fantastic work Meredith. thank you so much like i'm so glad that you guys you know like what we're doing and it's also like it's super cool to me to see guys like you because i know how many people really care about ice hockey in the united kingdom and then there's you two who have decided hey you know what we're going to talk about this thing we're going to create our own little you did like what i did you created your niche and i love that and you're doing a wonderful job of it too. It was just, uh, it's, super, it's super cool to see how sport and fandom of sport, as god awful and garbage as it can get, it's cool to see the other side. It's cool to see people who work on the other side to make something better than what was already there. It's very kind of you to say, Meredith. It's, it's like we were saying from the top, like you can only you can only do what you can do, and like mm-hmm. sports should be enjoyed by absolutely everybody. It should be what brings us together, not what drives us apart. As cliche a statement as that is, but. If you have enough people out there doing what they're enjoying doing and that being a positive influence on other people, then that's all we can ask for. Well, also, too, like, I know Twitter is a cess- Twitter is an absolute cesspool. I know you guys know that as well as I do. <laughs> but being able, like, the good parts of sports Twitter, like, I mentioned the Black Girl Hockey Club. There's Shereen Ahmed, who is a journalist, and um, she's in the Toronto area, and she focuses a lot on a lot on soccer and on issues that muslim women all over the world facing sports that it gives people of different voices and different backgrounds a perspective and not only a perspective but an audience and a platform that they can build and build and build and spread their ideas of how to be a decent fucking human being and as you put it using sport to bring people together it's great that's one of the reasons i stay on twitter despite how god awful it is is that i get my own perspectives broadened and also to be able to amplify these voices are who are doing incredible, incredible, important work. Absolutely, and if you, if you have to take a couple of uh, you know a couple of less um, 
less appealing aspects of Twitter with it to get to these these fantastic people who are doing great work. I think we can all say it's a it's a sacrifice worth making. Totally. Totally. And you know, no one to take no one to take breaks from Twitter and just be like, all right, fuck this shit for like a week and then just you know, practicing good self care and as many, you know, relaxing online habits as possible. Just the usual stuff of like keeping yourself keeping yourself as healthy as possible when you need to. Always good. Until they ban the Nazis and ban all the fuckheads, then you know you got to do what you got to do. I'll refer back to the uh, the heat death of the sun. Uh, for that sort of timeline of that actually happening. Yeah, I think you're right. I hate to say it, I think you're right. Just a couple of little quick things before we uh, before we wrap up. I noticed that on Twitter last night you wrote about having a, a makeup crisis. Oh yes. <laughs> within within that though, there is a, a a serious question: Is that do you ever feel pressured you have to look a certain way when you go to what would say like a corporate event or something like that? You know what? Probably, but I am a cranky, stubborn, half-Italian, butch bisexual woman. If y'all don't like that, <laughs> fuck you. Oh my god! So, you fit in, oh god! You fit, well, I think we, we can be best friends, Meredith. I feel oh good, fit in great, so well. wonderful, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wonderful. Like god. I'm going to. I came out. I talked about this. I talked about this. I think a bit like a month, like a month ago, because it was Bisexual Visibility Day. And like, I don't like to talk about a tremendous amount, if any, about my personal life, but. I want to talk about being an open bisexual and not conforming to gender standards because when I came out, I didn't have anybody that looked like me. I didn't see this. Like I saw, I saw like David Bowie and Lou Reed who were these androgynous people that attract, like I was attracted to this because it was different from anything that I'd ever seen. So I'm from, I'm from Indiana. I grew up in a college town in Indiana and I live in um, the biggest city in our state now. But even growing up in a college town, there was nobody that looked like me and was going through what I was going through. And so if people can see this and see like, all right, you're bald, you can also completely snatch your makeup better than the average just woman with long hair and, you know, red lipstick and high heels on. But okay, you're wearing a blazer and a Jack Skellington t-shirt to a corporate work event. That's awesome. So no, I don't. But I also, it's because I refuse to bow to that pressure. I won't do it. There's nothing wrong with being a highly femme woman. Like I absolutely people of all genders wear as much makeup as you want, wear as, wear as little as you want. You're not hurting anybody. Do whatever you want. Do you? But for me, it's yeah. I'm going to be bald. I'm going to have glitter on my face, and I'm going to feel fantastic. I, I feel that's a sentiment in life I want to take into my own personal <laughs> life, Meredith. And just amplify the amount of glitter that I use on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the debacle the debacle last night was I got a sample of a new uh, foundation primer and it ruined my foundation. It looked like, it looked like pieces were like chunking off of my face and I had to just start over and I'm like, oh, oh God, okay. But, you know, we got through, we got it done and it turned out great. So I was happy. So can you repurpose it as really good like Halloween makeup if you go as like, um, Ooh. like mm-hmm. the, the thing from the Fantastic Four maybe? Ooh. Yeah, there, there you go. There you go. I was, I, was, I, like, I was going to I like say this. the cop like, from the end of RoboCop who gets driven into the thing of acid. <laughs> I wasn't sure how well you'd know that reference. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just delighted. Like just be walking, just be walking around, like giving out candy to the kids in my neighborhood. Oh, that's a chunk of my skin just fell into your, fell into your treat bag. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. Okay. Don't worry, it's Last... non-GMO, so you can still eat. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last thing from me. Sure. How does how do you like to chill out when you're not talking about or watching or writing about hockey? I like to travel a lot. I like to read a lot, and I 
like to mess around in my kitchen and play with recipes or just hang like I like to, like I don't like to bake because it's too it's too specific but I really like I really like to cook and cooking for me involves nudging my cat out of the kitchen and trying not to burn him if I'm trying to you know make something but or just put up like really just put on some music and just chill like um I, I guess this is all very basic and very boring stuff but I live a very wordy life is what I tell people because I write so much. So if I'm, you know, writing some stuff that's not related to sports or related to um, my job, yeah, I just like to come up with, come up with, come up with stories or go see the, go see the world if I have the, the time and the opportunity and the money. Have you got somewhere on the, uh, on the agenda for where you're going to travel to next, Meredith? Um, my mom and I want to go, my mom's my travel buddy. We are thinking of going to Madrid in the spring. Ooh, so nice. that might happen, which I think would be fantastic. I really want to go to Poland. Poland is really high on my list. Um, I also want to get, I went to Mexico in September. I want to get down to, uh, I want to get down to Peru. It's really like the world fascinates me. It absolutely fascinates me. And so if I'm, if I have the chance and you know, there's a decent plane fare and it's safe, fuck it. Why not? I was going to say England's lovely this time of year, but it isn't. <laughs> and <laughs> you know this country's in its own crisis at the moment, so yeah, oh, I don't yeah, come, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about all that. Moment. Yeah, I <laughs> no, that's, yeah, you don't need to be sorry for self-inflicted wounds, Meredith. So it's, it's fine. It's fine. We've, uh, uh, that's true. We've got our own internal issues to uh, to sort out, rather than uh, than other people apologising for our own mistakes. As much well, as we I mean, appreciate you see, it, you see, you see what we have to live with over here now. So it's just it's it's a it's a it's solidarity sympathy, I guess. Of just like, okay, it's, you know, it's absolutely karma for for laughing at the state of America for the last three years, and we're finally like, <laughs> oh, would you look at that? We've been <laughs> planting our own seeds all this time. Yeah, it's the, it's the classic ha 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 America uh, UK hold my beer. <laughs> so, I guess we deserve this one. Okie dokie. Uh, anything else from you, Will? No, to be to, to be quite frank, I think we've. Uh, well, oh no, wait, hold on. A very important question: uh, yes. What are you cooking for dinner tonight, Meredith? I think I'm going to make a good beef stew because it's starting to get fall. It's starting to get into fall here. Yeah, yeah so nice and uh, nice and hearty and filling. What did you say? Nice and hearty, very filling and yes. warming. Yes, that's. I think that's the plan. So we'll see. Fantastic. Uh, please, Meredith, anything you'd like to promote before we leave? Um, I don't have anything immediate, but if you would like to follow me on Twitter, I am at Foster Writes. That's F-O-S-T-E-R-W-R-I-T-E-S. I also I always have to do that a bit slowly because I forget how to I forget how to spell my own Twitter handle. But if you're interested in Nordic hockey or just random thoughts as they occur to my head, that's where that's where you can find me. That's where you can communicate with me. And uh, yeah. Okay, there we go, Meredith. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. This was a bl- this was a blast. Thank you for coming on. We had a we had a whale of a time. Cheers, guys. Take care. I'll talk Thank to you, later. you. No problem. See you, Meredith. Thank you. Bye. All right, there we go. Thank you again to Meredith for that. We had a really good time, and she's. We've been talking back to on Twitter, which is great. As we said last week, it's Twitter can bring people together from all corners of the planet, and that's a nice thing. I do want to get to this before anything else. Sydney Crosby. You are you are rightly getting a lot of backlash on the internet, and I. No. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm annoyed because you need to start signing off on the tweets you put out on the joint account because I hate <laughs> for there to potentially be people out there who haven't listened to the episode <laughs> that think I think Sidney Crosby is better than Mario Lemieux when he's only better than <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> I do love the idea. As we all know, folks, Will's about as active on that Twitter account as 
Well, I was going to say as a DJ on a Facebook account, but that's not true either. <laughs> About as active on that Twitter account as I am on my own Twitter account. On your own Twitter account, actually, yeah. So I always like the idea that you wake up in the morning to like nine notifications and you're like, oh, what the fuck she said now? <laughs> All right. So I made a little comment last week about at some point we have to accept that Sidney Crosby is now in the god tier of hockey players. And let me get a little disclaimer before we get into this. I am not saying that Mario Lemieux isn't one of the greatest players who ever lived. I think, I like to, I think the quote last week was, send Ross Johnston back to the 80s. <laughs> and he'd make Mario Lemieux look like Ross Johnston. I'm going to revise my original point a tad and I'm saying now the top three ever chat needs to now be top four ever it needs to not just be now Gretzky or Lemieux it should now say Gretzky or Lemieux Crosby let me make let me make my case a bit because I said last week I can't really get into it because it was a a quick thing and we had obviously more stuff to talk about so did you see that play in the week where he flattened himself against the glass to stop the putt going around the glass when the goalie like hit it (gasps) no but I'm getting this this wonderful image of of him like, turning himself two dimensional and sliding around. Do you know what he did? He he put his he put his hands up as though he was being arrested, and just flattened himself against the glass, literally in that pose. Because the goal, I can't remember who they were playing, but the goalie was obviously clearing the puck and fired it around the glass, and Crosby stopped, and it literally obviously it was right there. It just dropped to his stick, and he just played it across the crease for a chance. Genius, absolute genius, but something so simple and so small. I'm sure players have done that before, but you just don't see it all the time. And it's such a simple thing. You think, why has no one ever tried that before? It doesn't make it, you know, you should do that all the time if you can. Crosby is a genius. He is a sniper. He is a playmaker. He is a possession monster. He is deceptively as strong as shit and supremely hard to shake off the puck. He's elusive and he'll grind in the corners if he has to as well. Fucking one-handed, backhanded. Pucks out of the air. Pucks out of the air to himself that he then volleys in. He literally does everything. Everything. And the top three are always considered to be Gretzky, Lemieux and Orr. Now, if you want to tell me Orr and Lemieux are better than Crosby, fine. I'm, you know, that's not that's kind of not the argument I'm making now. I haven't, having thought about it, yeah, that's a silly... It's just silly to say, right, he's now in the top three and that's it. But I think, and this is a real thing in hockey, I believe, more than any other sport... We have a real issue admitting that a player who plays now is as good or as better as any player who is compa- who's compared to them from 30, 40, 50 years ago. You're, and hockey players, I know hockey players themselves, I know if you said to Crosby, like, where do you think you are all time? He'd be like, oh, you know, I'm only, I'm only 50th because he's like super humble and all hockey players are for the team and blah, blah, blah. But everything he's done for over a decade, everything, just watch his highlights. He's a, like he's a genius. He is a genius. And if you put a package together of Crosby's 20 best plays and Lemieux's 20 best plays, right? You give them to a non-fan and you say, can you tell me which one of these players is regarded as one of the best and which one is regarded as clearly, like clearly the second best player who ever lived? I do not believe for one second those non-fans could tell you which one was which. I still think it's apples and oranges, though, isn't it? I agree. I agree, right? But we're, we're so ingrained in this culture in hockey that those are the top three players ever, and that's it. There's never, like, any chance... Like, you hear it. As soon as you get into hockey, as soon as you get into hockey, the conversation comes up somewhere. Who are the best three players who ever played a game? And it's always those three. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's crazy, but at some point you've got to say, 
all right, now there's a guy now who is as good, who is as good as at least two of those players. I've, I've, I've said before, like, Crosby's playing in an era where every single, every single minute detail is taken care of. Everything. Every, like, do you not think every single game Crosby has played for over a decade, every single game, everyone has a game plan against just him? Now I get it. There's other players who've played with him who are good, like Mal, you know, Malkin, Castle when he was playing really well, anything like that. I get it. But since day one, he was not just Sidney Crosby, a good hockey player. He's like, holy shit, this is Sidney Crosby. And like, we, we just we just go, well, no, there's there's those three players, and that's it. At some point, we've got to say, all right, there's a guy here who is as good as. I I don't want to get into like accolades and all that stuff, but he's won multiples of everything at every level. And I just, I just think like it's, it just seems like it just seems sacrilege to say a player can be as good as. And I, and I don't, I don't get it. At some point, we've got to start appreciating what we've got. And Crosby is still, in my opinion, he's still underappreciated. I think the problem is, it's firstly that he's still playing, like he's still playing in his, yeah, in in the same way. I forget who it was that mentioned Yaga when we were talking about this sort of thing. But uh, Jason Paul was it? Um, I think it's Rob Rob McGregor. I think. There you go. Hey, so, somebody somebody mentioned Jaga. We're two we're two in there. But is it any surprise that you know or Gretzky and Gretzky and Lemieux are basically from the same generation? Like or is a little bit preceding the two of them? But it's it's a generational thing. Like we see those three as the best three to play the game because they are the best three players, undeniably, from from like the most recent generation that not everybody was part of, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get it. When Gretzky and Lemieux were playing, it would have been, oh, Hal, Richard and Beliveau would have been the best three players or whatever. Probably probably Bobby Orr as well by that point or whatever, but, you know, it, it just keeps moving and moving and moving. Probably in 10, 15, 20 years' time, there will be more of an acceptance of Sidney Crosby being one of the best players of all time and there will be far more arguments of oh, was Sid better than Mario was Sid better than Gretzky etc etc but it's you can't like the book hasn't even been finished on Sidney Crosby let alone had time to settle and gather a bit of dust like Mario's has that's kind of my point though is that we don't appreciate what he is now with, with, mm. like you're saying the kind of thing I say is that it's going to take at least 10 years for us to go, oh yeah, he was fucking unbelievable. Not just really good, like unbelievable. And every every week, every game, he does something that you go, Jesus Christ. I mean, I can't even... I, I said about his goal against the Avs the other week. Just watch that goal and then close your eyes and try and imagine that anybody listening to this, if you just close your eyes and imagine trying to be able to do that on the ice at that speed and that speed of thinking... It's just, but because it's Crosby, we're just like, oh my god, what a great goal! But and we live in such a, we live in such a fast-paced kind of click, 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 highlight, highlight, highlight world. Is it you see a you see a Crosby highlight where he bats the puck to himself out of the air and then volleys it in, and you go, holy shit, that was amazing! And then the next day, I don't know, a goalie stops a two and zero breakaway, and you've just forgotten about it already. You're just like, oh yeah, whatever, that was yesterday. That's yesterday's news. Like, I don't care now. The people who watched Mario, Bobby Orr and Gretzky probably only saw Mario, Bobby Orr and Gretzky play because they were fans of the Oilers or the Bruins or the Penguins. 
if I had the bandwidth and a monitor big enough, and if there was seven games on at once, I could watch all of them at the same time. And it's not like as deeply ingrained into kind of your mindset. Like the, like the papers in Pittsburgh at the time, it's all about Mario. Whereas now they'll write about the Penguins and other, but then they'll also cover other teams. Like, you know, oh, here's what this player's doing for this team, or here's what this guy's doing. It's not just about that team. And I think the people who have those three as their top three, that was kind of all they saw as like, you know, the greatness at the time. So it was hard. It is harder for them to say, well, hang on a minute, other guys could have been great, but we didn't really see them that much compared to those three. I think there's something to be said for the fact that it's happening now. And like, I'm sure there yeah. are people that, you know, maybe uh, Mario and, and Gretzky's or detractors or whatever, or just you know, unappreciators because it's just happening. Yeah, you can't. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, because Crosby's doing this stuff at the moment, that's he's part of the, the benchmark for what we expect from players at the moment, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, there would be, yeah, I get it. Back, back in the day, there'd be people like, oh, Gretzky only had a 150-point season. Class a bit shabby, really, isn't it? Whereas now looking back and, and understanding what we understand of the game today, where there's nobody around doing what what, what Gretzky did, we appreciate, appreciate him far more. So it's really hard to be in that moment and appreciate what's happening in front of you because you can't appreciate you can't envisage a time when that's not happening. So yeah, we no, should, get it. we should be more appreciative of Crosby, but it's just it's human nature to not be appreciative. Appreciative, yeah. You don't know what you have until it's gone. Like that's that exists as a saying for a reason because that's how we're we're sort of programmed to to think. I was trying to I was trying to think of a, a comparable for another sport. I thought maybe Michael Jordan with LeBron. I thought there's obviously football like Pele, Maradona, compa- you know, being compared to Ronaldo and Messi. I think it's different with Crosby because there's always that argument that oh this player hasn't won this or this player hasn't won that. And that's always what that's always what's leveled at Lionel Messi is that he's not single-handedly won Argentina a World Cup. And it's like, well, no shit. Every single team on the planet now has a nutritionist, has this, has that, has blah, blah, blah. And now, like, supreme God... And I, I, I firmly believe there are people who are, are have a God-given ability to do something. Oh, Christ. Like, you only, you only have to look at Messi to know that. Like, he yeah, is exactly, a walking exactly. example of natural talent. Yeah, exactly. Like, my, my favourite player back in the day was Ronaldinho. I thought he was the same. He just had... He just had a God-given ability to... Like, God-given ability now will only take you to a point. Like, Crosby clearly has an... Like, he has just a God-given ability to play hockey. But that doesn't then take you further because because now everyone else has... Like I say, everyone has... and Every team has a nutritionist. They have a skating coach. They have a shooting coach. They have a fucking passing coach. They have all, all everything. And for him to be so much better still boggles my mind. I don't think you replace him now with one of the top three, but for me now, the top three is now the top four. Yeah, I think you've got an argument there. It's um The, the weird thing with Crosby, sorry, I think even when he's still playing to this level when he's like 40, 41, people still aren't going to appreciate it. If, no, you're right, I agree, if I it, agree. Yeah, which would be mental. Imagine 10 years from now, Crosby's still playing to this same level. Like that's That's ridiculous. And yet people didn't strictly 
appreciated with Yaga to an extent. Like he's just 45 and he's out there playing AHL games and playing a lot better than 60% of the league. And yet it yeah. was still like, oh, it's just, yeah, Yaga only had 50 points. What a fucking bum. I know. It's the problem and with it's mad. It's mad though. It's mad though. But I think of all the sports, hockey's, hockey's for sure the worst for not appreciating what we have right now. Oh, yeah. Just to give Crosby his due, and because I, I didn't want to make it about this, but I'm just going to list some of his like awards and or accolades and all that kind of thing. Three-time Stanley Cup champion, two Conn Smythe, four Prince of Wales trophies, two Hart trophies, eight-time All-Star, two Art Rosses, two Rocket Richards, three Ted Lindsays, the only teenager to win a scoring title in any major North American sports league, and he's in the Triple Gold Club, and he's the only player to do that as a captain. Not bad. And he's still playing. And playing amazing. And you're forgetting the uh, the twelve time Cole Harbour Arse of the Year award, <laughs> which he's currently the reigning champion of. I'm sure McKinnon's going to win it one day. Um, when when Crosby retires, when he starts getting a bit of a sag, <laughs> yeah, maybe. But there we go. That was that's kind of a that was my expanded point on that because it did generate a little bit of buzz on our on our little Twitterverse, didn't it? So uh, just a touch. It's always good to uh, to ignite the debate. So, uh, so next week we're gonna do um, Dominic Dominic Hasek. Why was he such a bad goalie? Mine for a system goalie extraordinaire. <laughs> that's a better yeah. That's a better one. That would be a discussion. <laughs> Problem is, if Brodeur had to play his entire career with the trapezoid, he uh, would have had a he'd have had a, a save percentage comparable to Sergei Borovsky's. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> Oh dear, he'd be, yeah, Marty would be playing his trade in Florida as we speak. <laughs> Speaking of players been paid a lot of money, will Roman Yossi resigns? Eight. This. Eight for nine for eight years, was it? Nine? Nine mil? Av? Eight years, of course, that his number has to get in there. So it's nine million point zero five nine because he wears number 59, of course. The surprising thing was with this was that there is a full no move for all eight years. So, what until he's thirty-seven? Is it? That's about. Yes. That's about right, isn't it? Yeah, I did actually check for a second. He wasn't playing in San Jose, but he's not. He's definitely still playing in Nashville. <laughs> no, no, he's just uh, just cited every single Sharks player as his comparable. So I yeah, which uh, Roman? Which Sharks player are you comparing yourself to? Eh, just any of them. Just whatever. Yeah. Did you see the uh, did you see the press conference with him and Poyle? Fucking hell. You can't call him Poyle because now I've just got an image of one of the McPoyle twins <laughs> sitting at a podium. Sorry. <laughs> David Poyle. There we go. Yeah, he was... Uh, David Poyle sat there looking like he'd just taken it dry. And Roman Yossi sat there looking like he'd paid to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so wait. Okay. So da- da- David to, Poyle's smiling and... Oh, okay. All right, I wanted to. Oh, no, sorry, yeah, I, I had that the wrong way around. Dude, Roman Yossi had the biggest, like the biggest grin on his face, and David Poyle just looked like, "Oh my god, what have I done again? What did I just do? A full no move for eight years? Fucking hell!" Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Seventy-two million isn't isn't bad. I'd be pretty happy if I just signed a contract that, that pays me seventy-two million over how many years. Yeah, and included no risk of me ever being traded anywhere else unless I gave permission. To to refer back to a friend of the show, Michael McCurdy, uh, he swiftly reminded us of perhaps just how uh, just how much of a liability Roman Yossi actually is. 
And it's actually being held up by very good teammates. I uh, I get the feeling that now that Subban's out of the um, out of the picture, there might be a little bit more of a, of a microscope on Roman Yossi's defensive shortcomings. I think you might be right. Potentially, but but, but to be fair to him, he's very good looking. He is. But oh, that reminds me. Did you see that fucking thing on NHL Twitter, the NHL Twitter account, which yeah. was Look-alikes. celebrity? Fucking Roman Yossi was fucking Johnny Drama from Entourage. What? I uh, yeah, I I didn't know who that guy was, and he doesn't look like Roman Yossi at all. So, um, oh, apart from the fact that he was white and had brown hair and a big head, well done. Fucking hell, Jesus Christ! Some of them, like some of them, are okay. I do always think Seth Jones looks like Trevor Noah. I think that yeah, like that's a lookalikey. Yeah, like a little All right. bit, but only not separated at birth. But yeah, I can see it. Like I get it. Fucking Roman Yossi and like Kevin Dillon. Who's the, uh, what? Who's the Matt Damon one? Oh, Taylor Hall. Yeah, like nah. <laughs> no, yeah. Nah, Taylor, they're both Taylor white Hall and have kind of sexy like decent teeth. <laughs> yeah. It, no, they they were all terrible. They were all absolutely diabolical. What was that? What was the other? One? The only good one was um, Jake Voracek and the guy from Silicon Valley. But even then. Yeah, but then. Even then, that, even then, that was just like he looks like that one photo of to TJ Miller. Yes, TJ Miller and Joe Vorchek walking down the street. They do not like they not look like anything like each other. No, but you just you just managed to find one photo of TJ Miller where he looks like uh, Jake Vorchek. Congratulations. I mean, they missed a trick because Jake Vorchek looks like his team's own mascot. That's say, the joke. I was going to say, like, yeah, like that's the joke. Like they can't even get that. <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah, they they were all terrible, and I I feel like there are some better ones out there. I want to talk about Devontae Smith Pelly. So he signed with uh, Kunlun Red Star in the KHL. Damn shame. That's yeah. That's I... that's what happens. You uh, you win the Stanley Cup, you don't go to the White House, and then you get exiled to the far side of the KHL. Not not only are you not only do you win this like you're integral to them winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, like, all his goals were kind of big goals. Mm. They made a difference. And he got his picture perf, you know, his, his kind of, his front page of the newspaper goal with that diving effort against the, uh, against the Knights. Smith Pelly carries Spiza off. Up comes on back. Orpik through one round. It's got Smith Pelly. Stop! Devontae Smith Pelly has tied the game! Yeah, the, the 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 stark contrast in Justin Williams winning the Conn Smythe for that sort of effort and DSP getting banished to the to uh, to China. It's funny, isn't it? So this is what I was getting at, and you've already yes, you've already alluded to this. Is that do you think there's anything in this about because he didn't go to the White House and it led to a kind of a negative feeling towards him? Because I know that Braden Holtby and Brett Connolly also said they weren't going to go, didn't they? Do you think there's anything to that? The report was as well is that he turned up. The report was as well is that he turned up after the Stanley Cup season to training camp like out of shape. Oh really? And then he didn't. Wasn't it that they weren't they weren't going to re like they said oh we're thinking we're not going to re-sign him and then there was kind of a bit of a public outcry because he didn't go to the White House so they kind of had to re-sign him. No, they didn't extend him a qualifying offer. That was it. Which. Yeah, it doesn't look very good, but the idea was because if you extend a, as as you well know, Dan, if you extend a player a qualifying offer, he gets, I think it's their salary from the last year of their last deal plus ten percent as like a standard sort of thing. 
So it wasn't necessarily they didn't want him, they just didn't want to pay him 10% more than they already were. Which I mean, it's shrewd business, but it's a bit of a... Yeah, you're always going to have a bit more of a microscope on you if you do that to a player who didn't go to the White House and is already black. Like, it's yeah. just a, a perfect storm with DSP. I think I think to an extent it's, a, it's one of these ones where what, nobody's talking about um, Ryan Spooner being in Switzerland, apart from us. But, you know, there's plenty of other people out and about who are playing in obscure places. But, yeah, when you add in everything that's happened with uh, with DSP, it's, like, you know, say, a, a relative comparable, uh, uh, JT Brown playing in the AHL at the moment. He could, he could be playing yeah. in China, couldn't he? Yeah, that's true. And then, to an extent, you'd have a similar sort of discussion, but the whole JT Brown thing died down pretty quickly afterwards because it wasn't as big a thing at the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's uh, some John Scott-esque sort of uh, conspiracy to get him out of the league and shuffle yeah. him off to the deepest, darkest corner of uh, of hockey of the hockey world. But, yeah, there's, there's probably quite a few people who are worse than Devontae Smith-Pelly, who are still playing in the league. So I think yeah. it shows, uh, again, as we as we say time to go, unfortunately it shows that kind of side of hockey that it even kind of crept into my mind. Is this a thing? Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know what I mean? If it, was that, if it was just that kind of sport, we'd just be like, yeah, he's, you know, he's not performed and he's, you know, he's out of shape and he's had to go, that's it. Like, what, it's hockey, what can you do? But after everything that happens, yeah, you do then start to sometimes put two and two together and get four and a half. Yeah, oh, absolutely, because it, you know he's one of less than ten black players in the league. He's one of less than ten mildly politically outspoken players in the league, and <laughs> yeah. that's enough to to just get get the cogs turning when something like this happens. Whereas, to be honest, he there's a chance he's you know like like any player in any sport, he's probably making more money out there than he was being offered in in uh, the NHL, the AHL. So. He took it. I doubt. I doubt Devontae Smith Pelly has gone out there because it's the only place he can find work. You know. Hmm. I'm not sure about that. Oh, somebody would have offered him. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying he's got the pick of the litter, but I'd imagine that Red Star are probably compensating him enough to make it worth his while to go out there. He's not. He's not playing for forty-five grand a year out there, is he? True. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I see what you mean. I see what you mean now. Yeah. I guess so. It was probably like you know. I just wonder, I just wondered after I wondered if it was clear that he wasn't going to get. And he had a he had a PTO with the Flames, and I was just wondering if there was ever. And obviously that didn't work out. I wonder if there was maybe just that kind of, like Josh Hosang, I guess, like just kind of. I hate saying the word stench around him. There probably not. I mean, though, like stench around him. He's a hockey player. Hockey gear is very very. Well, yeah, true. But maybe he's kind of like, oh, you know, kind of can we can we take on this guy who didn't go to the White House? Do we want to risk it? Kind of you know like that you know that kind of shit. I just wonder, like, it was. Yeah, I again, I hate having to ask. It. I don't want to ask this question, but fuck. I mean, I don't know. I'd say no, but I would equally not be surprised if that turns out to be the case. But let's yeah. let's, look, you t- let's look on the bright side. Let's say the the Flames PTO ended with a league minimum two way contract offer, uh, and Kunlun came in and said, "Here you go, mate, nine hundred grand flat. Do you fancy it?" He said, "Yeah, go on, man." That's a good point. That's a good point. Hopefully. His agent rang and said, Kunlun Red Star are going to pay you $6 million for one year. <laughs> and he went, oh, well, yeah, I'll see you later then. <laughs> Bye-bye. All, all you have to do is punch like the flames in the face. The flames were begging him to sign. Begging him. <laughs> He's like, no, fuck off. Please, the, 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 most, the most we can do is four and a half million, Devontae. <laughs> no. 
Not interesting. We need you to bring that Stanley Cup fire that you brought for the Caps to get us over the hump, get us back to the glory days. He's like, well, no, because uh, <laughs> I'm going to China for six million and making all their uh, endorsement money as well. After this contract, we'll make you the premier of the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit self-indulgent. As th- this is the indulgent podcast this week because we talked about your oh, wedding. God I want to talk sake. about the Bruins. The Bruins top line. I want to talk about the Bruins top line. How, dude? Okay, I've said this a million times. Is that I hate talking about the Bruins on here, and I try very hard to not. Not that I try hard to not talk about them, but if anything happens or they do something good, or I just think, oh, I can't mention it because I would hope by now at this point people listen to the show know that I am not that kind of fan. I'm, you know, I think I've proved that I'm not. We've got to talk about this top line. Fucking insane. Yeah, we've got to talk about Patrice Bergeron being carried by Pasternak and Marchand. <laughs> so true. Dude, in 12 games, 57 points. 57? Mate, mental. Absolutely mental. What, 12 games in? 12 games in, 57 points. Crazy, isn't it? 12 games in, Marchand's got 21. Pasternak's got 24. Bergeron's got 12. I mean, clearly, yeah, Bergeron is the, the weak link here. At only a point. I mean, I mean, maybe at this point, just he should be traded. You know, I think that's that's the discussion. At least drop down to the third line in favour of um, uh, David Krejci. Yeah, well, there. Push, I mean, push Charlie Coyle up to the top line and get Bergeron down to those third line minutes. I, I was going to say Krejci uh, and uh, Krejci and Bacchus one two, then Bergeron <laughs> is your third. Yeah, and, I mean, Pasternak now he's setting up in for some reason again. I, I don't know. Maybe he's been watching videos, but Pasternak keeps setting up in that OV spot and just is left there. Can't explain why teams are doing that, but Sharks did it last night. And here's the thing as well: like they're not they're not being played to death either. I think Marshan Marsh all time on ice in all situations because Marshan and Bergeron both both play penalty kill minutes as well. Like their penalty killing. Have you seen some of the clips? The gifts of their penalty killing. Oh, it's just crazy. Like, it's just keep for like forty five fifty seconds, just keeping the puck. Just skating around the rink like like it's a practice. Just skating around the rink with the puck. The clinic no, of all able to get the puck off them. Yeah, Marshall at the moment out of all players, 138th most minutes. Bergeron's 168th most minutes, and Pasternak is 180th most minutes. When they're on the ice, they're deadly, and they're not even on for that long. That's very um, well, not very subtle shade being thrown at Leo Drysdale and Colin McDavid. I mean, you can read into that what you like, Will. I'm not, you know. <laughs> Am I saying they're more efficient and more elite? Who's to say? It's weird because we're we're talking about teams who felt like like they had something to prove this year. Really rare that teams who get to the cup final and either win it or lose it, or even to be fair, or even have a deep playoff run, come out this hot at the start of the next season. Mm. And I, I I said to you didn't I? I thought like, I thought they'd be sluggish. I thought they'd be a bit slow. Like just make the playoffs. I mean, right now they're looking. That whole team is looking so good, and players are just stepping in and playing really well. And it's all down to all down to Cassidy. It's it's all I said this before, it's all down to Cassidy. He was the one signing in the off season they had to do and they had to get right and they got it done. What's I don't know what's I don't know what's better than perfection, but right now that that's that line. It's terrifying. Per- perfection is aiming to emulate that line right now. It's crazy and like Obviously, you know, David Pasternak is going to be the centrepiece in that, talking about, oh, he's so young and he's still just getting better and better, going from strength to strength. But Brad Marchand's 30 now, isn't he? 30, 31? Yeah, 31, and I think. Brad Marchand's getting 
better and better and better as he gets older, which is just crazy. We t- yeah, we talked about it on this show when he got his when we got his contract, and it was kind of a well, we'll see. It might it should be okay. He had one good season, and I'm like well, it should be okay. And would you look and at it's that? Just it's been okay so far. <laughs> I'll say, dude, it's been better than okay. It's been better than okay. I just think it's like they seem to they seem to have. It seems stupidly simple, but you've got Bergeron in the middle, you're two way forward, breaking everything up, making plays. Did you see that fucking hit you put on Mika Zabinajad? Oh my god! Like crushed, like just crushed his sternum, knocked him out of the game. So you've got Bergeron doing the heavy lifting in the middle. You've got a playmaker, a little so you know darting around, snippy fucking rat biting at your ankles playmaker. Then on the other side, you've got a sniper. You would think like, yeah, that's how you. That is how you build a top line. You have a heavy lifter, a playmaker, and a goal scorer. It's where they're all elite in those positions. You know, ideally, you build build every single line with balance. But at some point, for most teams, talent has to overweigh balance the play styles. The Brewers yeah. are just no, very you're right. fortunate that they have three very different yet very complementary players who are all incredible. Yes, perfect storm. Yeah, you're right. Normally, normally you'd have an elite player in one position and the other two feed off that player, don't they? But in this situation, you've got three elite players all feeding off each other at the same time. Plus, and you've got, like, obviously, like, Krug on the back end, who, I mean, has, you know, is one of the best passers in the game at the moment. And I think, yeah, it's... I feel like Tukarask is just... I, I don't understand. I mean, I thought he'd maybe come out the gate slow. I think he's, like, currently, like, at 9.52 or something, or like a 9.50. Just, like, it's fucking insane. That's all right, I suppose. Well, I don't know if you know this or not. There was an outdoor game this week. Setting tonight, Craig. It is beautiful. The snow adds a little bit to it. The adrenaline is running. You can tell the players have been dying to drop the puck. Has little with it. Connor to little scores. They didn't score in the power play, but. Jets a 2-1 victory at the Tim Hortons Heritage Classic in Regina. <laughs> Here's my question, right? Here's my question. Here's my question. When did you know there was an outdoor game? Uh, about 8.24 this evening. <laughs> Is that true? Genuinely. I, I, it was probably a bit <laughs> before that. I saw a photo of the Flames wearing their jerseys, their Heritage Classic jerseys. Which are lovely, absolutely lovely jerseys. Yeah, yeah, very nice. And I thought, oh, they've they've done the promo shot with them all like kitted up, you know, with the uh, with the with the eye black and the toques and stuff like that. And it crossed my mind for a moment, maybe it has happened, and didn't think about <laughs> it. And then later on, I saw a photo of Mark Shifley doing an interview at the outdoor games. Oh, in the snow. So, so it has happened. <laughs> yeah, I realised on the day as I was obviously browsing through Twitter. And I was like, "Why are they showing a ho- why are they showing a hockey rink at a football like a, a you know the big open air stadium? That that's weird. Oh, maybe it's like maybe they're getting ready for something. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this before. Because I was just I was just thinking like I was just baffled looking at it, and I kept like you say I was kind of going, no, I can't. That's not today because it can't be because I would have I would have heard maybe one thing about it, <laughs> and maybe you know this is what we talk this is what we talk about when we when we do this show is it." Me and Will have to search out this news, and I'm I'm positive everyone who lived in Canada who was a hockey fan was well aware of the heritage, the 2019 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic. But 
for, for us over here, like we had we had no idea. We had no idea. I didn't see a th- single thing about it until the day it happened, or in Will's case, a few days after it happened. The thing I wanted to um, highlight something that was potentially going to make the point even more. But looking at it now, so on the uh, the NHL app, which is probably where a lot of people get their their results from. Yeah, probably where the the league wants you to get a lot of your results from as well. There's no mention of it being a special game or anything. And that that even goes for the Winter Classic. So presumably for all outdoor games and all sort of um, event games, if you will, there's no sort of extra tag. or or, All you need is a little sort of marker in the corner to denote this this is an event, this is something worth tuning in for. I mean, at least they had it on a Saturday night. That's good. That's that's good in a scheduling way, but it just feels there's no marketing whatsoever for obviously a random winter classic down your throats, but for any stadium series games, for any like this fucking heritage classic or a stadium series by any other name, there's little to no build up for it at all. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. On the NHL app, yeah, it's just got Flames Jets. That's it. Like that's it. like every other game. Like it could be it could be any old game. Yeah, I don't know. it's not how I do it personally. Yeah, all, all, all jokes aside, like I'd I'd have it no. at the top on the day, like you know, sack off the whole chronological sort of thing. Obviously, it's good to have for for your regular days, but for this you want it top of the bill. Bam! This is this is a highlight. Like this is what we as the league want you to watch. We want you to watch one of our marquee events, or we've rented out the bloody Canadian Tire, sponsored by Tim Hortons, brought to you by Canadian Tire Dome. In Calgary, it's just little bits like that. Like you don't have to pay to do that, but it still acts as a uh, an element of promotion. Yeah, you already you already own the NHL app. It's your app. <laughs> yeah, you're paying just to like... have that uh, that created already. Like just change it. Yeah, like... put something on it. Like you say, yeah. Because when when you go to the NHL app, if you've put your favorite team in, that team is at the top, isn't it? So no, not anymore. Not just... on my one at least. It used to be that way, but not on um not on the Android app. Oh well, I was going to say clearly because you're so upset, upset with the stars' performance. You just, <laughs> you just you, they're not your favourite team anymore. You just, I'm, I haven't I got have, a favourite you know, team. My my favourite team is the uh, Manitoba Moose of the AHL. Uh, <laughs> my favourite team is just hockey. Oh, I'm such a good guy like that. I'm team refs. But like you say, yeah. So if you're flicking through the like, because I was trying to look at what's upcoming in the week, any big games or anything, in case I can watch them. If if on the Saturday that was at the top, I would have been thinking that's weird. Why is that at the top? Even that alone. Nothing else, just that alone. I would have clicked on it and gone, "Oh, cool, outdoor game, cool." But no, no idea. It's weird. I do not, do not get it at all. And it's it's not even like this is the first year. Like it happens every single year. There'll be, <laughs> oh shit, that was a fucking outdoor game. And I'm sure it's probably not the case if you live in the markets. But like bloody hell, I mean, I don't know. They they make more of a to do about when there's a preseason game in the Czech Republic than. These bloody outdoor games. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Actually, yeah, I knew. Yeah, because I knew more about the preseason games this year in Europe than anything about that outdoor game. And and I don't strictly think that's because yeah, we we follow the same outlets for preseason for for the regular season. So yeah, things exactly. things happening in Europe is more close to home and more our market in a way. But I don't think that's the excuse. No, not at all. Not at all. Last thing here: man versus eight year old. Hey, Will, you schmuck. You're going to get roasted by an eight-year-old, you fool. Still drawing, Will. Currently seven all. That'll do. That'll do. We'll keep but it. But I, I have to mention, I have to mention last week, I listened back to it and you, 
It was Shark Sense. You went and you laughed and you were like, no, 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 it can't be, it can't be. So it's got to be the Sharks. It has to be the Sharks. And of course the Sense won. <laughs> Naturally, because you rig it somehow. You've got old Gaz on a, on a hotline, like right. He's uh, he's pitting the sharks. If you could, if you could sort the sends out for me, that'd be good. Cheers, Gary. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone to Eugene. Okay, Eugene, you have to actually win this one. Okay, you do do your best in this one. You actually have to win. Okay, okay, fine. All right. Here's this week's games: Canadians, Golden Knights, oh, Golden Knights, Sabers, Caps, Caps, Canucks, Ducks, <laughs> Canucks, Ducks. Ducks. That just sounds funny. It does. It sounds Ducky. really good. Flames, Blue Jackets. Oh fuck, that's uh that's trickier. How are the blue jackets doing, I don't even know. Let's go Columbus. And uh Oilers Penguins. The greatest player in the game today will be playing in this game with Sidney Crosby and Conor McDavid. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Brandon Tanev does. Um <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Thank you very much. It's two teams I don't believe in. <laughs> so it's who's gonna Who's turning back this is essentially the NHL's Easter Bunny versus the Tooth Fairies. Yeah. <laughs> it's Jesus versus Adolf Hitler. <laughs> now, I don't know much, but I know for a fact at least one of those was real. <laughs> yeah, we've got the record to say that Jesus was a real person, whether or not he exactly, was uh, Exactly, exactly. I've read a Bible, Will. <laughs> Come on, yeah. man. I'm reading books with Hitler in it. Uh... <laughs> I've never seen him around. What's he done lately? Nothing. <laughs> like... <laughs> You can't, can't go a day, day without hearing about Jesus, but this, uh, this Adolf guy, he's fading into the background. I'm <laughs> going to go Penguins. Alrighty. Thank you for listening, folks. Will, any last words? Uh, absolutely none. None at all. See you later. Fantastic. Take it easy, folks. Thank you again to Meredith, and we'll talk to you later. Peace.